Hi everyone, uh, welcome to this session. Uh, I'm Madhumita Mantri. I'm a product uh, lead at uh, Startree. Uh, it's an early stage startup in real-time analytics and anomaly detection space. So I've also worked on uh, pretty much like data science and AIML product at LinkedIn, PayPal Institute, and now at Startree. Um, super exciting journey and I'm very excited to chat with uh, Nick about this interesting topic on uh, data science and AIML product management. So today we will have three different areas that we are going to cover. One is introduction to data science, AIML product management, and then we'll dive into identifying opportunity for data science and AIML products. And then uh, the other area that we will plan to cover today is building and developing data science and AIML products. So that's uh, going to be covered today. And in the next session, episode two, we'll cover more interesting uh, stuff in this area. So hope everyone find this useful. With that, I will kick off the session. And uh, hello, Nick, thanks for uh, joining the session and uh, spending time with us today. So uh, my first question to you is introduce yourself and something not your on your LinkedIn profile and um, maybe your career journey, how you got into AI ML product management at Google. Okay, sounds good. First, uh, thanks Madhumita for invite, uh, inviting me. And uh, I think this is my second time to be here. Really glad, you know, have this opportunity and I really enjoyed last time to be here as well. Uh, yeah, let's start from a little bit myself. I will keep it short, but if anyone has any interest uh, or question, feel free to, you know, try in later. But uh, I'm Nicholas. I I used to be engineer data scientist in my previous, er, my, in my early career path. And at some point, I feel like I really want to try it out uh, to be a PM. That's how I move into the PM track. And ever since then, I has been doing the data platform PM at Visa to start with. And then later went to PayPal as the data science PM. And then finally here at Google, I am a data PM. So as you can see, my, my whole career track, although I am switching around for different roles, I still pretty much focus on one key thing, which is data. And the data sometimes is more data foundation, sometimes it's more data science applications. So that's really myself. And another thing about me, which is not professional, it's more like interest is that I am also a car person. So I try to, you know, find the right intersection between software and, and also like a more hardware mechanical thing. That's my, that's all about myself. Awesome. Thanks for the introduction and uh, pretty exciting journey. And I'm sure you have learned a lot. So let's dive into each of this topic. So the first focus area is introduction to data science and AI ML product management who are new to this area so they can learn from it. So first question is, what is the role of data science and AI ML product manager? In general, you can share and how is your experience at PayPal mm -hmm. and uh, now at Google? Yeah, so the question is actually, you know, what's the, I can, the way I interpret the product management for machine learning AI or data science in general is really, Fundamentally, uh, you know, people like us are still PM, right? We are still focused on two very high level questions for the company, for the org. The first one is always bring a value to the end user. The second is always trying to make the organization or company sustainable, right? But 
if you are you if you are but again we all understand there are much, so many different type of PMs. There are front end PMs. There are back end PMs. There are you know data PMs. There are mobile PMs, right? If you ask me to find the one type of PM which is more related to machine learning AI PMs, I will probably choose API PMs or platform PMs. It's because fundamentally, you know, when you build a machine learning or AI projects, you certainly need to come up with very clear input and output, right? And in between is, you know, in the, in the past, when it's just API, maybe there is a, a lots of code logic implementation happening in between. Now it, it got replaced by the machine learning AI models. That's the way I interpret it. So again, very short summary. As a data science PM, you need to be super clear about input and output. Yeah, that's my short answer. Yes. Great answer. I completely echo with what you just said. Uh, something that unique about this role, of course, there's a lot of uh, overlap with uh, a product manager working on any other areas, but data science and AI ML tend to be a little more technical than any other areas. Uh, of course, uh, you do need business knowledge. You do need product, uh, like strong product fundamentals knowledge. But what differentiates you is how you can work with engineers, data scientists. Like earlier, you might be interacting with engineers, UX, UI, but now you need to work with data scientists, data platform engineering, data engineers, this whole lot of world. And you need to be also somebody who understand the data very well and good at like mining, processing the data so you can draw insights and um, like validate your business uh, hypothesis through that. And a lot of experimentation, that's what I have uh, experienced at LinkedIn. So uh, yeah, completely echo with what you said. Uh, my next question to you is how does uh, data science and AI ML product management differ? I touch based uh, slightly would love to hear from you also like uh, as compared to traditional product management yes let me try to answer this in this way so if you if if let, let us start from you know the people you the experts you interact with right uh, traditional pn interact with the software engineer a lot right that's more for like a, it doesn't matter it's front end back end or you know platform api but when you become the machine learning, uh, you know, data science PM, uh, the chance you work with data scientists will be increased a lot, right? And uh, in some cases, depends on how, you know how the working model goes for different companies. Sometimes you also need to interact with data engineers. Sometimes it's more data scientists to work with data engineer. Depends. But again, the, you are still working with those technical experts a lot. It's just, you know, fundamentally they have different expertise. And to follow this difference, there is one thing which I would like to say being a, being a you know, more traditional PN and being a machine learning AI PN will be so different is that the, the, your capability to embrace uncertainty is becoming so important, right? Because in traditionally the core logic can be explained by the human or by the engineer. They, you, you guys can talk. But when those logic got replaced by machine learning models, think about that. Think about that. Most common large language model now is like a 24 billion variables. There is no person can reasoning what's happening in between, right? So un embrace the uncertainty is very critical, especially when you move from more traditional PM role into machine learning AI role. 
I think that's certainly something that I want to mention. Yeah, great point. I completely echo with that. Uh, one other learning I faced, uh, which is like, do not try to solve everything by yourself. There are experts, so definitely rely on that because they they are experts in their field. They have done PhDs, so like there there'll be a very tight collaboration with PhDs and when you're thinking through the problem space. Um, another thing I have uh, also experienced is. Um, as you said, like being more patient and it's it takes time, like it takes time, multiple iterations. It, you just need to be patient. It doesn't flip like one day. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, like data storytelling also becomes very, very critical, like how what you're inferring from the models and how well you can define. Uh, I have also yeah. faced a lot of challenges around that. Yeah, I, I really like one one word, one sentence, which is machine learning AI is not magic. It happens for some reason with some logic, but certainly it's not magic. Yes, completely agree. And a lot of time we think like everything can be solved by machine learning, but that's not true. Sometimes it's simple like statistical models also can bring in more value as compared to like a big yeah. model. Totally agree. So what are the skills, key skills and knowledge required to be successful in this role? Okay, cool. So again, data science, uh, machine learning PMs are still PMs. So all the skills, uh, you know, expected are still pretty similar. Communication, you know, data-driven, uh, some knowledge of data engineering, some knowledge of business, some knowledge of design are all relevant. It's more like a traditionally, you know, we always like to ask one question before we become a PM, right? What are skills and capabilities required to be a PM? And the answer we always get is that there is no, pretty much there is no mandatory skills required, but there are lots of better to have skill, right? So I would like to, you know, tie back to this idea, which is, again, we talk about those we can extend the question to whether you know the data science machine learning skill or knowledge is is it is it critical to be a machine learning data PM, uh, sorry, machine learning ai pm again answer is similar it's not mandatory but it's very helpful if you have those experience or knowledge that tie back to you know because you your daily life you will work with data scientists a lot and you also need to translate those machine learning uh, knowledge or concept into your stakeholders doesn't matter they are sales, marketing, ops, or whatever people, they may have less uh, knowledge about the machine learning AI. You need to transfer those technical language into the language that, that they can understand. And also the risk can help them do the risk assessment, right? So that's the reason why I mentioned, it's not mandatory you need to be a data scientist or you know data analyst in, in the past to become a machine learning AI PM. But if you have those knowledge, that can certainly help your daily uh, works. And that's probably also a reason why my experience, for example, when I was at PayPal, all my peers are coming from, either coming from data analyst uh, experience or data scientist experience. That just really help us to do the work. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree uh, with you uh, in terms of uh, to become a data science or MLPM, AI MLPM, you do need some background and being an engineer like you uh, who transformed to PM, I think uh, they have definitely a stronger foot, uh, like 
maybe role to play because you empathize with the tech very well and you can empathize with engineers and data scientists effectively. That's uh, what I've also seen when I was transforming to this role. I was an engineer before who loved playing with data. And then I took a course at Stanford, uh, which is like writing code as well at that time, like how to build ML models and launching. Eventually, what I noticed, uh, I mean, there are also a lot of people had asked, like, do I need to be that technical to be an AI ML PM? My recommendation to them, there are two different areas. Like if you're working on deep tech in building tools or products around AI ML, you definitely need to be uh, like very knowledgeable in the tech side. But there are also applied AI ML uh, side of it, which I have experienced at LinkedIn, especially with consumer facing product or like the applications you built on top of it. That area I've seen, although you need to have some basic knowledge about AIML, but you need to know how to use it effectively. And you, in that way, like you can scale your technical spectrum accordingly. So yeah, very yeah, well said. Totally. Yep. So let's dive into the next question. How can a data uh, science and AIML product manager effectively collaborate with these um, uh, like data scientists, engineers, and other stakeholders. There are, again, we spoke about two different types of PMs in this case, like somebody deep tech coming from data science background, and somebody doesn't come from that background or doesn't have that technical debt. Mm -hmm. So if you can share your experience, how it is in terms of collaboration, yeah. what work sure. didn't work? Sure. I would like to mention two uh, of my insights or takeaways. The first one is, you know, traditionally as a PN, we always talk about the opportunities and efforts, right? We try to use these factors to decide, you know, prioritizations. I want to introduce the third, which I roughly quickly mentioned this here, is the risk expectation. Again, uh, it's relatively easier to describe what's happening, what are the business logic within the code. It's really hard to, to extract those information from a model, especially, you know, the neural network, larger language, larger language model. Those are just way too complicated for human to, to do the reasoning, right? So when you communicate your state with your stakeholders, you need to set up the right risk expectation because like you also mentioned this, not every single machine learning and AI product or project will success. There will be always failure. Of course, you learn something. But there is always some risk to be failed, to be fail, uh, to be failed. So I think clearly communicate this with all of your stakeholders, especially with those without solid, you know, machine learning AI background. It's very, very critical. And the, as a PM, we need to be honest, right? We we cannot just say that, hey, I guarantee you will you will succeed. So that's so this is the first thing. And the second thing is that uh, you also bring this up very well, which is as a PN, we are not like almighty. We are not the person do all the job. We are working with so many experts, especially machine learning, machine learning AI. We are working with so many PhDs to get the job done. So engaging those experts as early as possible is very critical. There's always this, you know, debating or, you know, uh, argument saying that, hey, don't treat Data and data analytics, or don't treat machine learning AI data science as the second tier uh, supporting team. That's very important. If you want your product to be as 
AI-driven, us machine learning-driven. You need to help those experts engage with the problem statement as early as possible. Right. So I think that these two are really critical if you want to make, making sure that your product with machine learning AI to be to be as successful as possible. Again, there is always failure, so keep this in mind. So yeah, that's my two recommendations. Yeah, uh, well said. I think resilience is very very important in this field, and you will face failures. I mean, I can remember one time I was working on an R and D initiative at LinkedIn. Back then, LinkedIn was acquired by Microsoft, and we were building this job uh, conversational bots on job, and we decided to launch it in Bing search. And uh, guess what? Like it was a failure to begin with. And uh, the reason was on Bing, there is few white collar job search happens and not many people were interested in interacting with that job board because LinkedIn is all about white collar job. So that was an interesting learning. And I, I guess like in terms of collaboration, I, I mean, working with experts in the beginning was very important. So they had taken necessary measures like how to generalize the solution. So luckily um, we had good milestones and KPIs to go after and make sure like uh, how we can fail faster and learn from it. And, and we were able to pivot to another use case. So keeping those use cases in mind and being open to be uh, like, you will get rejections or failures. And at the same time, how you can adapt and move on are important. And that too, like how you can bring people uh, together with this journey, that's I mean, extremely important. Yeah, um, I know some few folks joined later. So just uh, to mention that I'm going through a set of questions uh, in those three different areas that we will be covering today in this episode. And then towards the end, if we have time, we will go through a couple of questions, uh, type your questions in the chat. If we run out of time, we will respond to it offline. So with that, my next question, before we dive into the other area of identifying opportunity, uh, and it's the last question in the section, which is, um, can you share some examples of successful data science and AI ML products? Sure. I think we everyone probably has like hundreds of different answers for this question. But again, I think the uh, I personally like something which can help us to have a more better productivity. So few things I like really a lot, like image processing. For example, Microsoft uh, has this app called Office Lens, right? So traditionally, when you have this camera app, usually you try to take some picture and make it beautiful. But no, that's not the purpose of Office Lens. Office Lens is trying to help you know office workers like us to make some blurred uh, documentation. When you take a picture, it will make it more clear. Right, those are the you know machine learning applications that I feel I get a lot of benefit as a user, and the same thing for like Google Image Search. Right, sometimes I saw something I want to get learn more more detail about. It. I don't even know what does it call. Right, I just take a picture, and the Google Image Search will find the answer for me and with some description. Those are just examples. I also really I also want to bring up one domain which traditionally. People may not so think of machine learning AI uh, application here, which is the domain that both you and I, uh, you know, are in, the fintech. Fin in, within fintech, there are so many, you know, risk related topic like a fraud detection or money laundry, or you know, just even some credit score, credit identification, those things, right? Those are actually well established machine learning AI applications 
even a decade ago. Again, everything starts from very e uh, simple and easy machine learning uh, models. But again, over time, it become more and more smart, more and more sophisticated. So I just want to bring this fintech example up just because, you know, most of people don't really realize in the back end, there are so many machine learning AI models running to do the processing and to do all the, you know, hard work. But again, that this machine learning AI trend has been impact our life for so long. Yeah. Yeah, that's completely true what you said. Um, interesting examples. I, 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 I mean, image processing, the way it has evolved as compared to before, uh, uh, we have now more robust models. And with chat GPT and Gen AI, we are seeing like deep deep learning is making a good ad advancement, especially in content space, right? In processing the content and you're definitely doing well and see, I mean, fraud detection, completely agree. Uh, I work on anomaly detection. Of course, it's a completely different area where uh, I'm trying to detect anomalies in business metrics. And the learning I had was using AI ML, we run into multiple issues because accuracy becomes a big problem in how to like tie it back to the business context and gen building a generalized solution is very, very hard. And what we have seen is instead like using data science model gave a better accuracy and result. So you really have to weigh in and see where, but there are definitely some areas it is advanced well. And I clearly see that it is going to grow more in the FinTech, e-commerce, edtech uh, space and other areas we are still learning and evolving. So do you agree with that or you yeah, want to add totally. more Totally, totally. So let's dive into the next session, identifying opportunities for data and AI ML products. We'll spend 10 minutes on this, another five minutes on the last section, and then we'll open up for Q&A. So um, the next sec section is about identifying opportunities. So how do you identify potential use cases for data science and AI ML product? What is your approach? Okay, cool. Let me start from here. I think there is a very critical thoughts regarding what, the, it doesn't matter if we want to talk about just data analytics or you know machine learning AI uh, applications, potential use cases. The most critical part is still starting from data, right? So I think starting from the data analytics, starting making sure you have a good insights, good data is always the fundamental question. Even before we're talking about all events, like a, a little bit magical, you know, machine learning AI things. So I think it's starting from there is very important. And once we have solid enough data assets, you know, data foundations, in order to make us to be, you know, able to identify potential use cases, I think trying to find the patterns is very critical, right? Because machine learning AI fundamentally doesn't matter how many variables, how many computing storage systems it's using fundamentally is still based on like stats, right? Stats is a pattern, numerical pattern. So if you can see specific pattern ha happening, they may imply that, you know, the problems you are trying to address might have, might have higher chance to be solved by machine learning and AI. I think that's the first thing, uh, you know, I, I want to bring it up. The second way to identify potential use case is, you know, a knowledge, right? So for example, recommendations. 
if you see Netflix can do the recommendation of all the different movies and the TV program, TV TV shows to the user, maybe you can think, okay, for me, maybe I'm an e-commerce platform. Let's say Amazon. That probably also work for me to try to sell the right products to the right person because I I'm also doing recommendations, right? I'm just doing the same thing for different domain. So analogy, I think, is also a very you know reasonable and a straightforward way to trying to see what could be applied to your product or your features. Yeah, completely agree. Identifying data, uh, sorry, use cases are extremely uh, important and tied back to the knowledge you have. And uh, when we are learning, I think it's important also like how di diverse opinions are also cons considered perspectives because. Uh, that's extremely important. If Mr. Diverse perspective, then you're training a model, thinking about the features that may not be completely aligned to the use case you are uh, going after. So yeah, with interest of time, move on. Um, what are some of the data consideration? I, I know you have uh, touched base a little bit. Uh, mm -hmm. What are more uh, understanding in terms of the criticality, right? In the, when mm -hmm. we are going after data-driven uh, development? Okay, uh, I can summarize into two big topic, uh, but again, each topic may have like 30 an hour the conversation, but I will try to keep it short. I think uh, just like I mentioned, every data science and machine learning starting from data. So the data quality is super critical, right? If you get the last whole bunch of, you know, trash data, you won't get the right result. Doesn't matter how sophisticated your machine learning model is, right? So the data quality is certainly one big, data consideration you need to think of. The, sec the second is the, you know, the data governance, including security, privacy, all of those things. Uh, there are two reasons. One is just in general, if you do this wrong, you will, <laughs> the company will lose a lot of money. That's the reality. There are so many regulations around this. The second is just, you at the same time, if you do it wrong, you also lost the trust from user, which is also bad for, you know, for building products. Right. So again, there are a whole bunch of details around these two big domain, but I will I would like to conclude, you know, data quality and the data governance both. Yeah, completely agree. I uh, just wanted to add one more thing. What you said uh, again, data qu uh, quantity also matters because sometimes if you have low data, then it's either like. Um, overly fitted or there are bias introduced. So enough data, training data, yeah. one of the biggest problem I have faced. And another is, as I mentioned before, like diversity, mm -hmm. uh, because sometimes if you train the model, just as an example, like we are doing e-commerce model building. And if the like machine learning training models are trained by male members, then it may not recommend effectively buying the product. So yeah, completely agree with what you said. Um, so next question is around, uh, since you touch base on governance, a um, little bit privacy, what ethical consideration somebody should consider as they are building uh, these products? Oh gosh, this is probably the most challenging question today. So ethical is really a super huge topic for, especially for machine learning AI. Again, it's, it has been really big for just in general product management. But when you talk about machine learning AI, it's even bigger. Just because again, we talk, we all talk about how hard to explain a machine learning AI model, right? 
So if something go wrong in the past, so for example, if you are using the right color, the, the wrong color for your product, you can expect, oh, that's because blah, 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 you can make a change. But if the result is coming from the model, then it's really hard for you to explain what, what's going on in between. And also tie back to your point, right? If your data has any bias, you only collect certain population of data. When you do the forecasting for another population, certainly it will go wrong. And then you will get, you, it probably will go way off, right? So I think, again, a very fundamental PN question to answer the ethical problems is always user-centric. Trying to do some like, you know, for example, monkey, monkey test to see what things can go off out of your control is very critical. And I also, again, we also talk about privacy, security, those things. Here, I also bring up, I also want to bring up the third pillar, which is safety, which, you know, it may, it may not happen for some of the product, but it may be very dramatic impacts other products. Again, I want to bring, bring up one example, not saying that I like this product or not, I want to throw this problem to everyone here because everyone here are PMs, right? If you are the PM of the, let's say, for example, Tesla for self-driving, do you think it's ethical to let the full self-driving car driving around on the real road everywhere, anytime, if we know in some cases it actually performs worse than human? Because if you are building a website, maybe you are not killing people, but if you are building a real car as your product and it's full self driving, driving by machine is one part of your feature. That imply that if something go wrong, it may hurt people or even kill people, right? It's a really fundamental ethical problem. And I don't have the answer. I certainly have my opinion, my strong opinion. But again, different PVPN will have different opinion and answer to this based on different background, based on different perspective. I just want to throw this up. There's no right or wrong answer here. I just want to throw this question out to, for everyone here to think, because ethical problem is very hard, especially in our domain. Yes. Yeah, completely agree. There's no one size fits all. And it's an area that is still a lot of work need to, needed to be done. It is evolving. Uh, at LinkedIn, when I was working on the trust and uh, feed uh, teams, what uh, we have done is like to improve the ethical consideration. We have always worked with group of experts like legal SMEs and to make sure there's enough ethical consideration baked in because sometimes you don't know the rules and regulations. Yep. FinTech is even more crazy because the rules and regulations is very often changing and now to keep up with the space, it's a very hard problem to tackle. Yes, always trying to talk to experts is, you know, the, really the right answer to this. Just yeah. like you mentioned, it changed over time. Yes. Um, so since we talked about this topic very quickly, like in this section, I wanted to understand is how to validate uh, some of these consideration risk and also your hype. I mean, hypothesis, everyone comes with a hypothesis. And uh, once you validate, like how would you go about prioritizing, uh, prioritizing those features? Okay. Yeah, I think let's start from validation and then we can talk about prioritization. Validation, I think, uh, you know, I want to bring out one idea, which is start from something simple, right? Uh, let me let me give uh, my paper tiles example. So it's really hard to, if you 
from the very beginning, you build a machine learning AI model and it will be really hard to do validation for either whether it works or even, you know, think about the next level like privacy, security, or even ethical questions. So starting from something simple, meaning, for example, the way we build the machine learning application at PayPal, my experience is that we're starting from rule-based approach, right? It's very simple. You, you, you will be able to explain what's going on, right? They give you some time to first collect more data, and the second, see whether it works. Tie back to uh, the, the one idea I mentioned that if you are seeing patterns, you probably will be able to write some rules. And you just need to prove that those rules work. You in you want to in it's not necessary need to be perfect, but unless you need to prove it works. And over time, once you see yes, that's the right direction, you will be able to bring in maybe starting from more straightforward, simple machine learning AI approach, like for example linear regression, or you you don't some very fundamental states uh, stats based classification those things. That's a phase two, right? And uh, ideally, you should be seeing some difference, especially toward the positive direction. And once you see this trending, you start to bring out more sophisticated, like a neural network, like a large language model, Gen AI, those things, into the next phase. So it's a progressive approach to making sure you are not messing things around and you know you are seeing benefit for the end user. Yeah. And uh, regarding prioritization, Again, I mentioned you know two dimensions, which is opportunity and also effort, right? That's very common for most of PMs. Remember to put the third layer, which is risk. Again, there's a risk to be fail or to be success. There's a risk that this domain might have a lots of ethical, you know, challenge problems. Let's bring this as your multiplier into you the way you do the prioritization. And so, you know, adding three dimensions here. I think this is my approach to answer this. Yeah, no, completely agree with that. Uh, it resonates very well with me. Um, as you said, like, and make sure it's an iterative process, start simple. And I've also faced that, like try with rules and then see if you can make it more advanced if the rules are successful. And also testing with enough data. And sometimes we struggle to have the right data uh, in place to validate your hypothesis. So. I mean, data acquisition was a big problem we were dealing, and especially fintech, you you probably know how challenging it was. And uh, uh, yeah, and if it's a small, simple enough use case, then yeah, you can definitely get a lot of synthetic data uh, from Kaggle and all. Um, I've also faced a challenge like if it is too synthetic. I know there are a lot of products getting built like synthetic data, but it is so uh, well structured and data, real world data won't be like that. So it's very important to test and validate with real world data and then iterate. Um, thanks for also sharing your prioritization mechanism. I mean, uh, that's what exactly like adding the risk factor is very, very important um, in something we can't miss or uh, like not think about. So the last section, I know we are almost close to time. What I can do is like we'll uh, use this um, area quickly covered a couple of questions I have and then I'm willing to stay longer if you are open we can stay longer yep. and maybe use like 15 to 20 minutes I hope yep. audience will be fine in case you can stay in case you have hard stop please feel free to drop up uh, share your questions in the chat and we'll respond offline and if you're interested you have time you can stay along and 
we'll open up the floor around uh, 10.42, like another five minutes I'll take. So um, very quickly, the last section is building and developing data science and AI ML models. Since we have already spoken about the common challenges, uh, what could be a good thing to dive in is what frameworks, methodologies that people should use uh, to get past of this, like building effective um, and then uh, effective models and developing it. The second question, some of the best practices and how to measure success. Okay, cool. I think the regarding the framework or methodology are actually pretty aligned with the more traditional PM role. But again, I do want to mention a few additional thoughts when you are doing a machine learning AI model. And there might be some topic we already talk, roughly talked a couple of minutes before. But again, I try to summarize it. Uh, okay, let me start from something new. I, I think there is one consideration or one thing you need to keep in mind, which is very critical, but I haven't touched today yet, which is, which is the cost. If you go to search, you know, some, you know, articles, research, uh, some research paper, you can see lots of the analysis that the GNAI computation might be 10x or even 100x more expensive than the traditional, you know, small scale machine learning model calculation, right, for less than use case. So that brings you a fun, very fundamental question that, uh, you know, as a PM we care about. Make the company and the org sustainable. If you work for nonprofit, that's fine. You don't have to really, ha you don't have to worry about making money monetization, but you still need to make sure at least we are, the, the org is not losing money, right? So cost is so important that uh, I really want to mention this, especially for machine learning and AI. It's just because every single computation is way more expensive than the traditional, you know, the, the, the hard-coded logic to run in a program. So this is first thing. The second, uh, we talk this topic a lot today, risk, risk of the failure, risk of violating regulation, risk of being, you know, um, uh, being biased, being let the user feel offensive. Those things are all very, very critical. And uh, the third thing, I think it's very important that, uh, you know, safety net. I think you, you're also roughly talking about this. Uh, because machine learning is relatively harder to explain and control. You know, have a set of data which is more like SafeNet being protected before it's customer facing. It's also very critical. I, I think for bring this up. I think that's also very critical. Uh, iterations. We talk about, you know, starting from something simple, starting from rule base, moving to some, you know, machine learning, like easy machine learning AI models, and then, you know, go to all, all the way goes to the very sophisticated one. It helps us making sure it works and also making sure our investment works, right? I think uh, lastly, we also roughly talk early engagement, trying to make sure those experts engage as early as possible in the early phase, even in the user research, user segmentation, understanding phase. It's also very critical just because they certainly have more knowledge than you about the, you know, how machine learning AI can help in some cases. Yeah. So again, framework is aligned with the traditional PM just because, but there are many different uh, focus required for machine learning and AI PM. 
Completely agree. It's a very iterative journey, in, especially in uh, this space. Uh, what has actually worked for me is always like thinking ahead and forward thinking is very much needed as well in case of AI MLPM because you need to come up with the hypothesis and validate before like anybody can start building it because it's very, very expensive. So I spend a significant amount uh, of time, my time in discovery and hypothesis building and uh, how I've executed like what model works. It's very hard to say that like agile will work or waterfall, waterfall will work. It's completely you and the experts in the space. Sometimes the research work takes so long. You can't be like really waterfall in that case, like your research will be a mini project and then you have milestones around that. <clears throat> you always need to be very strategic in terms of where you're heading, but you also very need to be like very milestone oriented and learning every step and you are ready to pivot all the time. So I think that's very, very important. And I defining those milestones and tasks ahead of time and forward thinking has worked really well. Yeah. In terms of measuring success, we, we can cover quickly about that. Like I know there are traditional data science models we can uh, like there are different KPIs we can look after like precision F1 score, so and so forth, but more uh, from PM standpoint, like what other metrics you look at in your dashboard to make sure like your development is on track and everything is going as per expectation. Yes, that's a good question. Uh, I think usually we measure all the end user end-to-end -end experience, right? From you know, acquisition, onboarding, adoption, all the engagement, and the finally monetization. Those are pretty similar with the traditional PN. But again, I keep saying one very critical factor that we, as a data P, uh, as a machine learning AIP, and we need to keep in mind is cost. Fundamentally, it's not just you know how many. Of course, users' sentiment, user satisfaction is very important, but also in order to make the, the product or the project relevant, we need to make sure it's sustainable for the company. So not only investment, but also the cost become the ROI. It's very critical, especially for machine learning AI, just, just like I mentioned, it's 10X or even 100X more expensive than the traditional you know, compute, computation. So I do want to really bring this up the cost is very critical and trying to keep in mind just because traditionally, traditionally as a PM, we don't really get trained to consider cost so much. Of, of course, if you are hardware PM, you care a lot. But if you are software PM, traditionally, we don't really talk about cost that much. Yeah. Yeah, totally agree. Cost is a big factor, needs to be factored in. Uh, one other thing I have experienced and although, PMs do not get involved as much in that space, but it's very, very important, as you said, like we need to watch all the risk. So data observability, uh, because it, as data changes, your machine learning will start performing poorly once you have launched also, maybe at the time of launch, it was very accurate, working really well. But as data grew and data changed, the model started degrading. We have faced this a lot, and that's where the data observability, ML uh, ops, uh, monitoring or ML ops overall um, is very, very critical. And I know there's several companies in the area have been spun up in that area and it is still evolving space. Uh, do you have anything more to add there? Yeah, totally. I think that's a very interesting new uh, domains, you know, just like you mentioned, right? 
lots of startups even spun out just because this this is super big topic. And uh, I think, you know, depends on how different companies perform, you know, all of their data processing pipelines, uh, trying to bring in, trying to making sure at least each phases are monitored and the tracking and they making sure data assurance is performed well for the other. Again, in order to do data observability, you need to think sure first, there are some monitoring mechanics happening, right? So data assurance assurance work is also very certainly is very critical here. Garbage in, garbage out is always the foundation of data analytics or even machine learning AI. Yes, completely agree. So uh, I think uh, I'm done with my questions. So I will open up uh, the floor for questions. So I've enabled um, for everyone in the call. Uh, now you can unmute yourself or turn on your video and uh, you can ask your questions. I know some questions out there in the chat, we can go over that or feel free to even unmute yourself and ask those questions. Hi, I just wanna um, thank you so much again for this event. Um, I was actually just curious quickly, um, one, where can we find the recording for this event? And two, how do you recommend students who you know might have previous product manager internship experience but don't really have experience um, with like working on ML or AI products? How would you recommend them to get experience to pivot into machine learning and AI product management roles or internships? So I'll take the first question and Nick, you can answer the second question and I can add if there are more to add. So uh, recording, yes, I'm recording the session. And what I will be doing, there are two episodes that are happening this week and next week. Once we wrap up everything, I'll be producing those recordings in various channels. You'll see in my podcast channels, it will be available YouTube, Spotify, and all the areas. And plus, I will also publish a newsletter on LinkedIn on this topic, which will be also scripted version of this, and you'll get access to everything. Okay, cool. I can take the second part of the question and feel free to chime uh Madumida, if you have you know slightly different uh answer based on your experience. I think it, it really depends on you know your situation, right? I can break down into different uh, cases. If you are still like a student, you still have access to the school resources. I think that the the hands-on projects are very critical. Take my example. I came to US because I want to get my business school degree. So I'm actually, although I have engineering background, but I'm actually studying business here. Uh, at school, I'm trying to find projects that have chance I can work with uh, students from other programs like computer science or data science or data uh, business analytics. And within those projects, there are certain jobs need to be done. There are more technical, which is you know, doing analytics, uh, building model, and also trying to build a presentation and trying to write, trying to making sure the problems we are addressing are uh, in the right direction. I force myself to be focused on more business side, but at the same time, I have the opportunity to work with those people, has those expertise, right? Although I don't have, you know, maybe in the past, I don't have any experience to work on machine learning AI directly. I still gain experience about communication. And I think that, you know, tie back to the very beginning, communication with those experts, is the most critical capability you need to have if you are looking for opportunities in this domain. And again, if you already start to work, 
you lost the access to the school resources or you know the cross department uh, joint projects like that, there are still uh, some opportunities that you can leverage. Okay. There are also some, you know, side project opportunities, you know, you can find from some of the, you know, the part-time uh, websites. They do the matching. Those are also opportunities that you can try to pick up some works, not directly building model, but still very close to them and learn how to communicate with that. And of course, if your company internally also have those opportunities and open for you to be participant, that's the best situation because you gain the experience and then you also gain the reputation from the same place. That's always the best. But again, depends on different situation, you may or may not have those opportunities. So trying to find those uh, chances, is, there will be uh, opportunities all around. Just need to, you know, uh, to identify those. Thank you so much. I really appreciate Thank you. Completely agree with that. I just wanted to add two things that has really worked for me when I was new to the space. Um, so I took, as you said, like courses are very important. Boot camps are important. Uh, I don't remember the course name now. It's a long time back, but Coursera. I took a course. And then after that, there were uh, like they, they usually uh, let you do some projects of your own. Um, and then you can eventually they evaluate and give feedback. It starts from like the complete experience. Like uh, I did, I think, an AI ML product management course where you will think like a product manager where you have business case, validate it. And then also you build your model and process it. Uh, so at that time I was facing because I was appearing for different interviews and salary negotiation and there were not many um, salary negotiation products out there like which was AIML based back then. So I was interested in solving that problem. So I tried to like collect data and do the typical process and used Google AutoML at that time um, that lets you even PMs to easily uh, like run your model and test and validate. So build that complete package in the use case and guess what? Like I could use that completely in one of my interviews and I got my offer because of just uh, using that case study. So you can do that as well. So that's what uh, one thing I would share and everything else, what Nick said that plus one to that. That's an amazing story. That's super cool. Thank you so much. And um, before like I have to hop on, hop off this meeting, is there any way I can stay in touch or get connected, like stay connected with both of you? Nick, you wanted to answer first how to connect with you? I'm always on LinkedIn. <laughs> so feel free to drop me any, any message on LinkedIn. Yes. Okay, I definitely will do. Thank you so much. Yeah, and for me, same thing on LinkedIn. And you can go on to my profile if you want to have more chats. You can book time with me over there. And uh, I'm always available to help as well. And yeah, there's a lot of content I write and also do podcasts. So you can subscribe to those and yeah, you can get access to all that I'm trying to contribute to this community. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I love this event and I learned so much and it's really helpful, not only for seasoned PMs, but for aspiring PMs and students as well. Thank you. I really appreciate it again. Thank you. Uh, let's take another question or I think we can easily take like nine more minutes of more questions. So the next one in the chat, if nobody else is unmuting, maybe we can pick it up. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Hi, uh, hi uh, my name is Adi, and uh, I'll be joining a new role. 
in a in a startup and not a startup but in a small in a different uh, company within my larger company i would say but it's a different team uh, as a senior pm tech uh, data ingestion with data cataloging as a responsibility uh, i have given some technical details like uh, they have some hybrid uh, architecture and a vision to move to aws after 2 years i know it doesn't sound true but that's that's the scenario <laughs> like they still have on prem hadoop and i mean and something on aws and so what should be my um, first uh, goal in the first 2 uh, 3 months and like how should i set myself for success because uh, i think in in um, in us and all you have to prove yourself within the first 2 months also you can't say that i'm new and uh, i'm I probably i'm new to the role so i'll i'll take 6 months or 1 year to perform i can't do that right Uh, Nick, you wanted to take up this. Yeah, I can. I can start. Yeah, I can start. So first, the hybrid storage uh, strategy. I think is is very actually very critical and very relevant. I just this is more like why because I still remember before I left PayPal, we were talking about hybrid for strategy for uh, fintech. Just because we there are so many regulation problems and hybrid might be the right solution. So. uh to your point that that's very critical domain so to answer really your question i think that you know because you mentioned sorry, you are sorry to interrupt nick sorry i'm very sorry uh but i just wanted to add one point that uh, data scientists and machine learning scientists will be my customers actually in this role okay okay cool no problem i think the you know especially you mentioned you are joining amazon and converse by the way I think uh, to join a very uh, big company the, like this scale, my experience is actually yes. If you you know if your former uh, peers or boss send you some you know prepare work trying to study it, but the most critical important thing is actually once you join, asking for the navigation of different orgs, stakeholders, partners, and the end team, TPM team you are going to work with. It's because again, PM is not a job that you really get hands dirty, and you know you coding, you do something. Your job is the, your daily job is actually talking and cooperate with so many different people. And I have to say that as the company getting bigger, the bigger company you join, the more the higher complexity of organizational correlation, partnership, those things is. So even my time when I joined, you know, Google, I probably spent. my 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 first three months i just trying to figure out okay what are the right person what are the right stakeholders why the are the right partners no, but google has a different culture i think probably madhumita also might agree like i think they give more time for onboarding but uh, mm-hmm. i think i have slightly less time. i have to probably prove myself in first two months mm-hmm. or something like that yeah sure uh again uh yeah you may need you may have more time pressure on navigating the organizational but uh, again two topic here is certainly you know expertise and also organizational relationship i think that's very critical depends on how, what you are to, going to deliver but again as a pn you are not the sole researcher right so i still feel like uh, the figure out what's going on especially from stakeholder perspective uh, mm-hmm. is very critical here and yeah okay. that's yeah that's certainly something that i want to bring this up and by the way there is a book called uh, i can share offline but because i don't remember its exact name 
but I, I think the book's name is like uh, the first hundred day of joining a new company or, or taking a new job, something like that. You can, you can probably find it on Amazon or online. That's very helpful because that describes in any cases, what are the most critical job or things you should get done or you should figure out when you join a new company or when you pick up a new job. So I right. think that's very relevant. Yes. But I, I was actually more interested to know anything to be done specifically for this role because it's data cataloging and specifically mm -hmm. ingestion with mm -hmm. ML scientists as as customers. So probably I think like Madhumita was saying, I should probably also ask them about their quality issues or something. Yeah, so I can definitely add uh, more to that because I've worked on both the areas, um, in both on data platform side and also AIML side. So, and I worked at PayPal and startup, completely agree with what Nick said. I think spend enough time uh, to define your success goals for uh, like first uh, couple of months. How that Maybe Google is little uh, like you can take time because a big company and at a startup, we just crunched. A startup, they expect you to start delivering immediately. But having that said, because I've worked at both PayPal and a startup, having a structured uh, learning process and what are you going to accomplish in first 90 days is very, very critical. I've written a Medium article I'm just sharing here. You can always uh, refer to it later. Um, to go back to your question in terms of what specifically you will do if you are working on moving these product to cloud and there's existing product in terms of data ingestion and catalog. What has helped me is um, I spent at least two to three weeks uh, doing research um, and coming up with an interview guide how to interview all these users. And you, you just could be data scientists, ML engineers, that's totally fine. But uh, listing down all the questions that you would ask and Think about what is the strategy and what is your long-term vision, like going to cloud, what are some of the important things that you would like to accomplish? And working backwards, frame those questions, do the interviews. And of course, if you're working on a startup, you have to do it very fast. Uh, you can't take like three months to do that. Maybe you have to take Have you written an article, Madhumita, on that uh, questionnaire? No. <laughs> or... uh, I don't know if there is an article I have written okay, on okay. this. But good, good, good topic. Maybe I'll pick up some other time. But just to quickly summarize, uh, just talk to people. And then uh, once you talk to people, you will learn about use cases and collect all use cases. And there is no second okay. brainer to that. Ask everyone, okay. what are your use cases? Uh, like nail it down. And then okay. next phase is about talk to your SMEs. Oh, you need to define some patterns out there. Do industry studies also, like how other industries are doing that same thing because it's not like, like something Greek or Latin or doing first time. There are other people have moved to cloud and learn from them what worked for them, what did not work for them. Understand your tech stack and then combining it all, what are the gaps? And then how do you go about closing those gaps and meet with your architects and experts? That is very, very uh -huh. important. And then also get their opinion, like what they feel important to close because this is a technology okay. project. That should be also prioritized and then eventually come up with a crawl, walk, run uh, of your roadmap and clear KPIs, what use cases you will move first versus KPIs, all that you should note it down. So and that's a quick summary. It's a big topic to cover, though. Thanks. Thanks, Manolita. Thanks, Nick. Great. I think we are uh, very close to 
uh, wrapping it up. Any final thoughts or questions from the audience or your experience you would like to share? Hi, hi, Madhumita Nicholas. Um, I'm actually, uh, thank you for putting this event together. I'm actually a, a data scientist, but it's cool to see that you guys both came from um, engineering backgrounds because maybe PM is something I'll consider in the future after getting some more experience as a data scientist. But I was just wondering, um, as a PM, when communicating with data scientists and machine learning engineers, what kind of skills do you look for um, that they should have so that you can really translate business goals into their tasks? Nick, do you want to take yeah, up the I can, Yeah, I can quickly answer. My experience is actually, it's not, it's not really not something I'm looking for. It's more the cooperation thing. Uh, I come, as a PM, I come in from user business side of the perspective. As a data scientist, uh, you know, you come in from the, you know, trying to use technology to address the problem, trying to trying to make this trans uh, transformation or translation smooth is the goal for both of us. So it's more like a cooperation. And that's also a reason why I like to involve data scientists into the conversation, the problem statement as early as possible, because I certainly don't want to give the right problem statement and give the right expectation of, you know, what technology can do. And then later I figure out, okay, I screw. I need to go back to my stakeholder to say, hey, I screw up. That's not a rule. You know, it's, it's not possible, right? So I think the, you know, the, that's the reason why I bring this up, that early engagement as, as, as much as possible is really critical based on my experience. Yeah, I completely agree with that. In terms of if you're looking for skill building, I think any PM core skills, like if you're an engineer and transforming, I've done that transformation myself. And uh, what has, of course, if you're intentional PM, a lot of people land in PM unintentionally. Uh, but if you're intentional PM, definitely you can uh, take uh, courses like product school to get your fundamentals strong. And after that, I highly recommend doing some business course. Doesn't need to be MBA, but... Uh, maybe Kobe at uh, Berkeley has, or there are a bunch of other programs out there uh, just to understand the business angle. And then uh, as a PM, what the core traits to be built is leadership skills are very much important. Communication, as Nick was mentioning earlier, and also um, creativity. Uh, that's very, very important. And uh, you have to work on it. You don't get it over one day. And uh, negotiation also influence without authority. You're working with like a lot of stakeholders and how to influence to get your project done or a product done. It's not a simple game. And these are some of the things that you may start thinking in addition to everything else you are doing. Thank you, guys. And I hope we can um, connect. Yes. Definitely. With Thank that, you. I... Thank you. Um, if folks have more questions, feel free to reach out on LinkedIn. We are always available to answer your questions. Our next episode is next Friday. So tune in if you're interested to join that. Highly recommend uh, there are other areas that we will be covering in that. And maybe we will be going through some industry use cases and talk about some of the examples. Thanks a lot, Nick. Your time was very valuable in sharing your journey at PayPal and Google. I'm sure uh, the audience will find a lot of value from this discussion, hearing your journey and experience. 
any final thoughts uh, to uh, before we wrap up? No, it's really a good experience because, you know, this domain changes every day so much, right? So it's not really just, you know, it's not just learning from audience. It's also learning from me because I am hearing some different questions that I can try to think whether it's I can apply to my daily job as well. So really appreciate this opportunity and a nice talk to everyone. Same here. Thank you, everyone, for joining and staying through the session. Uh, we'll tune in again next Friday if you're joining back great. Otherwise, you can follow us and I'll be sharing those recording and newsletter. Thank you.